If you're just now joining us, we are sitting here with multiple, multiple decade-long legendary wrestling personality. You may know him by one of the many, many names he has gone by, but most famously, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, and he's sitting here with a new friend. You want to introduce your new friend, Brother Brutai? Uh, this is uh, my new baby. Her name is Baby. <laughs> Brutus and the baby. Brutus That's and the baby. Christmas sounds like a, for my wife. It sounds like it sounds it sounds like a new Amazon sitcom to me. But we Let's are sitting here. We are sitting here with Mr. Edward Harrison Leslie. He is the performer of over 235 professional wrestling matches, more than 25 of those occurring during large-scale worldwide international pay-per-views. You may know him as Eddie Golden. You may know him as the Booty Man, Ed Boulder, Dizzy Hogan, Brute Force, The Butcher, The Clip Master, The Disciple, but like I said, most famously, Brutus, The Barber, Beefcake. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, Florida is a great place to uh, to uh, shelter in. So that's what you guys are definitely doing down there. The weather looks nice. You look happy and uh, definitely full of vitamin D. Glad to see you're actually getting out of the house, unlike some of us in some parts of this country. I got a pool about 12 feet out the back door. So uh, that's where uh, it's been a dream. But just for the quarantine for the record, dream. Brother, uh, as far as matches go, I, I went I, I went through my books with CBS guy a couple of years ago to evaluate uh, up, up before WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania 2 and 3. And uh, basically what I came up with with was with, <clears throat> with television and all the stuff, basically 500 matches. Wow. So my number was uh, way off then. Just 585. And uh, 586, 587, 588. 589 and then 90 got cut short well geez that's a lot of matches you have you have rolled in the squared circle with uh quite the long list of luminaries and legends and hall of famers and you were also legendarily part of that first class of guys to get action figures back in the 80s and at the time you were one of the few heels that yes. was bestowed the honor of having the action figure. What can you tell us about that? And how big of a check was that? Was that the biggest check that you gotten at the time? Oh, uh, yeah, at the time. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, but being a heel was really the, the fun part of the whole deal. You know, just being able to uh, run around like a wild man and just tell everybody where to go and what to do and just – watch people go crazy and, and yelling and screaming. And, and, you know, it was a different time in wrestling. And the people actually really believed in wrestling. And <laughs> so it was, it got cr pretty crazy. You know, you had people I was there. chasing you out of the parking lot in some places. Some, uh, you know, we got pretty intense. So you clearly enjoyed the heel persona. Uh, were you surprised that one match was able to essentially shift your entire gimmick into this barber persona? Yeah, because uh, really wasn't given a lot of forewarning uh, at all. I came back from WrestleMania three. Um, 
you know, knowing that things are going to be different and had no idea. They said, we got to come with us. We're going to go uh, do a shoot. I go, do a shoot. What do you mean? Well, we're going to go to this barber shop and do a shoot at the barbershop. So I, I, I went with the guys with the camera crew and got in the barbershop and they handed me this one little white coat and a little, almost looked like a pocket protector for barbers that had a, had a uh, comb and a pair of scissors in it and said, okay, now you're the barber. And, uh, and then basically that was it. There was no direction. There was no where we're going to, what we're going to do with you, where we're going to go with this, nothing. So basically I had to wing it from that point forward. I was winging it. And you can tell these pictures from this first shoot because Wearing the white coat in the barbershop with Mark. I can't remember his last name now, but he was one of my referees. Nice guy in the barber chair. And he's kind of looking up at me and I got the scissors. And really, if you really look, get a look at my face, you you can really kind of tell that I was not happy. I was really upset. You were not having a good time. Well, Bruce Beefcake, I, I just been, been on a 12-month run all over the country, wrestling Hulk, sellouts everywhere, weeks in advance, thousands of people being turned away, Bruce Beefcake, red hot. And now you want me to change that? I didn't understand what, what, why that would be going to be a good thing. And, you know, it, it really put me in a spot to have to adjust. That was uh, Vince's actual barbershop, correct, down in Manhattan, where they did that first shoot photo shoot? Well, that was the first vignette was done with Vince's actual barber, Vince Sr.'s barber. But the actual first shoot, <coughs> excuse me, was done in uh, Rochester, New York some little teeny barbershop there in Rochester because that's where the first television after the WrestleMania 3 was shot in the old War Memorial which has since been, I don't think it's been torn down but I think it's just abandoned now well, that, you know, the barber gimmick, that that new role into a uh, more of a face type of role, even though it was never fully a face role, you held nine different titles. You were a member of the 2019 WWE Hall of Fame class. Of all your adventures throughout wrestling, throughout your different gimmicks, throughout your different names, what was your absolute most enjoyable? Because it clearly was not the barber gimmick. <laughs> Well, no, there was there was great times. The Barber gimmick had great, huge times. Uh, but just being Brutus Beefcake, uh, you know, having the world tag team titles with Greg Valentine, uh, we, we ran hard all over the country. Um, we had tremendous times. There was this was a transition time in, in our business, brother. You have to understand, this was. When, when, Bruce, when Bruce Beefcake and Greg Valentine were running around the country with the belts, half the crowd was cheering for us, and the other half was booing. And we, we had more riots break out during our matches than anybody ever in the history of WWE, WWF. Yeah. And then we have to just 
we'd have to almost stop the match kind of go outside security rush in pull everybody apart and then we go back to having our match again and, and it, that was because it was a time when now people began to like the bad guys became mm -hmm. cool to cheer for the bad guys and um and so that it just made it a lot of fun well, especially with things like the action figures and them including you as a heel in that batch. As a kid, you can't have just a batch of good guys. Because if you have nothing but a batch of good guys, who are they really going to fight? Right, they're all friends. Well, you know, old school, it, it, we kept it pretty simple. There was good guys and there was bad guys. And there wasn't a lot of gray area. I mean, it just was you were one or the other, you know, and there was... You know, it started to trans, you know, things started to to, uh, to change, you know, VH1, MTV. Guys, we were, we were rock stars running around. So people were liking us. So it was, it began to be a different time. But still, when you were in the ring, the people could understand. Those guys are good guys. Those are the bad guys. We're having a, a match. We're telling a little story here. We have an ending, a start, a beginning, middle, an ending. And, and people can understand what's going on there. It's not quite that easy to understand what's going on anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. it's funny you bring that up because that's kind of where I wanted to go with this. You know, during your heyday, kayfabe was the law. There there was no breaking of kayfabe. If someone was caught carpooling into an arena, it was an embarrassment. You know, more so than something that pops on a blog nowadays. Podcast and the internet and shows like Dark Side of the Ring have really popularized the breaking of kayfabe as entertainment. As one yeah. of the legends, how does that make you feel? As somebody who held that kayfabe as law during the height of this sports popularity? Well, it's, it was something we had, everybody hated to see go, uh, go away, kind of. At least, you know, there was always those excited, super excited fans that just wanted to, you know, nobody could tell them anything. They they just knew it was real and, and wrestling was real and everything was was what it was. And then, you know, when the WWE announced the world it was sports entertainment, I think it, it definitely blew the wind out of a lot of people's sails. But I guess it was inevitable sooner or later change happens. You can't stop it. You know, um, sometimes you got to wonder and evaluate whether that change is really really good or mediocre good kind of good not very good or just not good at all you know there's always you know a lot of ways a lot of degrees have you caught any of the recent uh no fan performances from the wwe whether it was wrestlemania or that special money in the bank have you been able to see any of the more recent stuff and uh what kind of thoughts do you have on that yeah, um, not really. I've I've kind of been uh, not spending that much time in front of the TV. And then we we get out and drive the golf cart. I got my motorcycle. I got the uh, the pool. And right. uh, so you know the the, the new much better that, things to do. Much well, better they, things they to just, do. They, they lost me a while back with all this stuff, and you know same. Um, and it's a little just, bit. I, I used to have a lot of friends in the ring, and you know now it, I'm. I'm you know, 30 years out of there, 20 years out of there, 25 years or whatever. And, and, uh, there's not too many guys that I know, you know, yeah. you know, but, but I mean, you get, you can't take 
away the fact from the guys, you know, what tremendous athletes and their athletic ability and some of the, you know, all this, the, the flips and the double back blend, you know, triple lindies off the, the cage through the tables and all that. I mean, that, that just was never my style or any, any of our guys style from the old days, but I mean, that's theatrical. one of yes. the changes that happened, you know, and uh, I get, you know, it'll have its place in history, just like everything else. Yeah. Well, in 2018, you turned your amazing and legendary wrestling life in the squared circle into a fantastic book called Strutton and Cutting that you can go ahead and pick up if you head on over to BrutusBeefcake.com. If you uh, direct your internet browser over there, it is full of stories of a career well fought, a life well lived, and loves well loved. There's a lot of stories in there we could not begin to touch on in this program because of the scope of them, as well as some of them aren't necessarily rated PG 13. I suggest all my over 18 wrestling fans out there. It is one of the best wrestling books I've ever read. And I've read nearly almost every one. I only got like two more things for you. Um, recently at our Astronomicon three event, which you were at, uh, yep. One of our other guests, Monoxide Child, referred a story to us involving shotgunning. Are you familiar with the term shotgunning, Mr. Beefcake? Uh, shotgunning. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure <laughs> what, what, what that's referring to. It, it refers to cannabis. We'll try to keep okay. this story as clean as possible. It refers to cannabis. Are you familiar with the term oh, yeah. shotgunning? And were that's you true. ever a shotgunning aficionado? Because I think that's if we can just get it, then I think we just confirm the story and I don't think we need to go too much further. Dustin, what do you think? Dustin's more familiar with the story. Um, I am. I think we're good. I've, I've I heard think we're it good. a number of times. Uh, it seems like it checks out. Okay, it seems like it checks out. And then before we let, uh, I'll, I'll make sure that when this video comes out, I intersplice the original story because we have that on video as well. So we can get just all we needed to know if you were a shotgun aficionado, because if, uh, if you can admit to that, then this Those story is clearly very true. <laughs> so what we want to do, what we want to do is uh, we've got a list. We've got a list of about 10 or so wrestlers who you uh, did work with in that squared circle throughout your career. And we just wanted to get a one word response from you, whether they were trash or if they were the tops. Originally, this was going to be dick or dope, but that sounds very, very bad. So we're going to go with trash or tops. Okay. And we're going to stop. I'm just, I'm just going to show you a picture. We're going to say a name. I want a one word answer. And if you'd like to, if you'd like to, you know, expound, feel free. First one coming up, Hillbilly Jim. Oh, Billy Hillbilly Jim. Jim. Hell of a guy, man. Hell of a guy. He looks like a hell of a guy. I mean, he looks like breaking his leg. There, okay. Was, All right. He couldn't wrestle for snot, but he is the <laughs> nicest guy you'd ever want to, you know. Built like – Built like a brick shit house, like all you guys were back then. Nothing but meat and potatoes under those. All right, next next one, we got the mouth of the South, Mr. Jimmy Hart. Phenomenal uh, mouthpiece, you know, great guy to have around, you know, and, and a great guy in your corner. Could, could also take a bump. Not many people are aware, but even as a manager was known to take some of those those apron bumps. And yeah. where... And wear uh, a bra stuffed with paper and pantyhose and get it all ripped off and while while in the ring. 
and then still and then still protect his lady bits like he had lady bits to protect which was just fantastic all right our next one one of the first wrestling personalities to venture outside into the pop culture world captain lou albano legendary captain was a very close friend of mine and uh we i miss him a lot and i met him in uh probably 1980 uh, or so along with uh the Grand Wizard and Fred Blassie that year. I met, I met all the managers in, in New York, and uh, man, I was never the same. New York can definitely seem, it seems to change wrestlers once they make it up there and they, they see those bright lights. Uh, next one, we're going to go with a duo. We're going to give you a twofer, the fabulous Rougeaus. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, I, as far as guys go, you know, wrestling skills, okay they they really never had a good time with me and greg and uh you know <laughs> we just didn't you know, we like just trash. didn't want to sell for them that much they sounds <laughs> sounds like trash yeah. sounds like trash sounds like, yeah yeah all right coming up next we'll move on from the trash the honky talk man honky talk man you know he's a great friend i knew him since 1977 and uh and always, you know, we've always had a great relationship. A lot of fun. That's, that next one popped a little quick, but you were one of the few to be involved in the great wrestling explosion known as No Holds Barred. And you and Zeus did a little bit of tangling in the cage. What do you remember about him? I heard he had to be rehearsed just like an actor would have had to have been rehearsed. Well, you know, Tiny's a tremendous talent. Guy's a monster. And it's no easy thing to come. We, we actually did two matches, you know, two tag matches. The, the cage was the second match in Nashville, Tennessee around Christmas. But both pay-per-views. You can't. You take a guy who's never been in the ring before to go straight into a pay-per-view. Yeah, we had to walk him through some, some basic stuff in the ring. And he, you know, he did tremendous, tremendous. My hat's definitely off the tiny man. I love him. Great guy. Well, we are pulling up at almost. Yeah, he was. He's an astronomicon vet as well. Uh, We're pulling up right at twenty minutes, and we don't want to keep you too too long, uh, brother Brutus. We appreciate your time. The pool's got to be calling you. I know it's calling me just through the screen. But we definitely appreciate your time today. We appreciate you uh, taking the time to be so candid with us. we can't wait to have you back at Astronomicon, hopefully in the near future. And uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your quarantine slash lockdown. Where can people support you the quickest? BrutusBeefcake.com? BrutusBeefcake.com. Um, honey, what's my uh, Twitter? Is BrutusBeefcake underscore? Yes. BrutusBeefcake underscore. And my right Twitter. now, anybody and- who sends... A self-addressed stamped envelope with a picture or a card you're signing for ten dollars as long as they put ten bucks in. Yeah, so envelope. like for the fans, you know. So you like know, a mo- almost almost like an at-home convention signing, something for the fans, old school style, fantastic. But cheap, making bucks. it reasonable. You know, the the convention prices. Geez, some guys forty, fifty, seventy dollars. I mean, it's way up there. So we're trying to keep it, it down. It does get up there. A- it affordable. does get up there. You know, so a fan can send a couple of things over, and we we sign them up and send them back to them, and uh, and hopefully they're happy because I'm happy. Well, 
Well, I hope the heads out there check out your social medias, take advantage of that you know ra- uh, short time deal. And uh, once again, we thank you. We can't wait to have you back at Astronomicon. Heads out there, tuned in, make some noise, clap at home, jump up and down off your couch for Brutus the Barber Beefcake. All right, we're back to Astronomicon. Had a great time. We loved having you, bub. We loved having you as well. A few of our fans that got haircuts loved having you there as well. A lot of haircuts, sir. Well, we can't wait till the next time, sir. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much.